0: He was an incredibly useful man. He was incredibly useful for the company that he worked for. He would do it all. He would sweep the floors, he would stock the shelves, he would balance the budget, and he would give encouraging, motivating words to his fellow employees. He was the type of guy that would show up early, he would stay late, and he would do whatever he was asked without complaining. He just quietly put his nose to the grind and got his work done, but maybe too quietly. One day his boss showed up to the office and looked for this incredibly useful employee. He looked for him in the shop, nothing. He looked for him out in the field, in the office, nothing. He asked his fellow employees, have, have you seen him? They hadn't. He tried calling him, nothing. He went straight to voicemail. He waited in the break room for an hour for his useful employee to show up and still, nothing. Nothing. So he walked around the office. He walked around the shop shouting his name, Onesimus, Onesimus. But Onesimus didn't hear him because Onesimus wasn't there. You see, the night before, Onesimus quit. Without telling his boss, he left town. He jumped ship. He essentially told his boss he could take his job and, well, you get it. He was gone. But you see, there was a problem. This was the first century in the Holy Roman Empire. And that meant for a slave like Onesimus, if you quit your job and you ran away from your job, it was punishable by law. And so he was. Onesimus was jailed. Onesimus was useless. There's not a whole lot we know about onesimus but what we do know about onesimus comes from one book of the bible a very short book that has a really big impact the book is called philemon and philemon was the owner or the boss of onesimus and while the book gets his name it was onesimus that has a really really unique name his name meant useful and Onesimus made an entire career, an entire life out of living up to his namesake, being useful. But now Onesimus, who was useful, was useless to anybody because he was imprisoned. And we don't know what made Onesimus leave. The Bible doesn't tell us, but you can imagine. Maybe it was a, a disagreement, some kind of tiff with a fellow employee. Maybe Philemon asked him to do something he just didn't want to do. But whatever the external cause of Onesimus leaving was, he can be sure of this. There was an internal reason that made him leave. Onesimus could no longer answer the question, why? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Why should I get out of bed in the morning? Why should I even care about Philemon and what he wants at work anymore? And so he left. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What's my purpose? Why am I here? And no, I don't mean here at church this morning. I mean, why are you here on earth? Why should you get out of bed in the morning? Why do you exist? If you've ever asked yourself those questions, I'm glad that you're here this morning, because we're going to do something we've never done before at The Way. We are going to go through an entire book of the Bible in one sermon. We're going to look at the entire book of Philemon, and don't worry, it's only 25 short verses. But in this little book, there is a massively big idea. It's your purpose. It's your calling. And this book isn't just going to help us think about our calling. It's not just going to help us mull over our purpose on this earth. What this book is going to do, it's going to point you to your purpose, to your calling, and what motivates it, what moves you to fulfill that calling. And what this book is going to do, what the Word of God is going to do, is going to make it possible for every man, every woman, and child leaving here full of pride, full of joy, full of fulfillment, as you think about carrying out and you go about carrying out your calling and your purpose. So this morning, we're in the book of Philemon. It comes after two gentlemen's names, Timothy and Titus. And if you get to Hebrews and James, you've gone too far. It's just one page long. Um, It's 25 verses, no chapters. We're going to begin reading at verse one of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and also to Aphia and our sister Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of, the, of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in change. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him while, with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you would, not, uh, you would do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated for you for a little while was that he might, you might have him back forever." No longer a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit uh, from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Oh, and one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark. Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of our God. That's it. That's the book of Philemon. It's the story of Onesimus. Onesimus, the useful, who became useless because he forgot his why. He forgot why he existed, why he should get out of bed in the morning. And so he ran away. He got caught. He got put into prison. But then he happened to share a cell with the, of the word of God. It was through Paul's message about the forgiveness of sins and the salvation he has in Christ that he became a child of God. The apostle Paul says it. He says, He is very dear to me, even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Onesimus became a child of God. And as a child of God, he made a discovery. A discovery that profoundly impacted the way he looked at the world. A discovery that changed the way he thought about how the world worked and how he related to the world. It changed the way he thought about his existence, his purpose, his calling. Because when Onesimus became a child of God, he understood his calling. He understood our calling as a child of God. When you are called by Christ out of darkness into his wonderful light to be his child, God's purpose, the cosmic purpose of the almighty God is repurposed and becomes the very purpose in your life for your life. And that's no small thing. So let me just take a step back and explain myself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created humankind. He created humankind to be perfect, to be the crown of his creation in his image. When God created Adam and Eve and he created humankind, he said what? It was very good. We were in communion with God, sharing all that God had. His holiness, his perfection, his glory, his likeness, and even his purpose. But that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough for our first parents. And so they listened The hissing lies that said you can be like God, even though they already were. They listened to those lies, and ironically, the very thing they did to try to be like God made them completely unlike Him in every way. They lost the image of God. We lost the image of God. We lost the way we related to God most significantly, but also. What was lost was the way God wanted us to relate to this world. And so, east of Eden, there they stood in sin, wondering this question Why are we here? What's our purpose? Why should we even care anymore? But God sent a promise. God sent a promise that completely upended and completely turned upside down all of the work of Adam. He sent a promise of a savior. And this was the promise. The promise was, so we can be like God, God became like us. So we can be like God, God became like us. And he did it in the person and the work of his son. Through God incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel. He sent his son, to be the atoning sacrifice for the world's sins. One of the coolest verses in all of Philemon shows the apostle Paul speaking to, to Philemon, being like Christ, being a type of Christ. He said this in verse 18, did you catch it? He said, if Onesimus has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand and I will pay it back not to mention that you owe me your very self. You see, you and I were just like Onesimus, useless, on-the-run sinners who were running from the very God that wanted us, that was pursuing us. We needed an advocate. We needed an intercessor. And Christ steps in. Christ steps before our God and he paid all of the debts that we owed for all of our useless sins. He paid the price for getting us out of jail. He did it through his life. He did it through his death. And more than that, he did it through his glorious resurrection. Christ Jesus stood before God and stands still before him today and says the very words that Paul says to Philemon. He said, formerly he, she, she, That one right there was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both of us, to you and to me. And the Apostle Paul says why. He said this about Onesimus. He is no longer a slave, but better than a slave. He is a dear brother. And in that statement of fact, the Apostle Paul summarizes what all of Scripture reveals to us. Our purpose what our calling is. Onesimus was a brother in Christ with Paul, with Philemon. He was a son of God. What's your purpose? Why are you here? You are here to be like God as God's child and see God's eternal purpose fulfilled in your life. That's why you're here. That's why God has called you. So now you're like, okay, Matt, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty great. I know why I'm here. I know I'm a son. I know I'm a daughter of the most high God, but how in the world am I supposed to act? I know why I can get out of bed in the morning, why I should be excited to attack my Mondays, but how am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to do as a child of God? Let me give you an example. Each and every Sunday that we come here, we say a prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, we make a very specific request. We say, Lord, give us today our daily bread. And we're not just praying for bread, right? We're praying for all of the things that God gives us. But let me take that as an example. How does God put your morning toast on your plate? Does he do it like he did for the Israelites where magically manna just shows up and magically you come down the stairs and your table is set? I see some of you kids nodding your head. That's your mom who does that. Does he put a loaf of bread in your bread box and it just multiplies over and over again like when Jesus fed the 5,000? No, he doesn't do that. But God gives you your daily bread. He does it through farmers who planted grain and harvested grain. He does it through truck drivers who collected that produce and took it to a warehouse. He does it through men and women and bakers who processed that grain into bread in the warehouse. He does it through employees who packaged that bread. He does it through other truck drivers who took it to the store. He does it through high school students who stocked your bread on the shelf and that really nice lady that sold it to you at the checkout counter. And don't forget about the investors, the bankers, and the CEOs of Wonder Bread. Don't forget about the advertisers and the agricultural scientists and all of the engineers that made it possible to bring your bread to you. And yet, before your breakfast this morning, you likely stepped back as is right and said, give thanks to the Lord for this is good. It's because you recognize behind all of those people is a God. Is a God who carries out his purpose through people. As people serve people. He could have done it where he just magically multiplied loaves of bread in your home. He could have done it where every morning God snapped his finger and there was food for you. But he doesn't. Just like he provides for everything in your life. God provides your daily bread and all your physical needs through people. It's just as we read in Philippians from before. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. How is it that you can carry about your purpose in life? Well, it's by putting on a mask, putting on the mask of God and serving others. What do I mean by the mask of God? Well, God is the very one who serves children, who cares for children and raises children through mothers. It's God who protects children through the watchful eye of fathers who wear the mask of God. It's God who keeps all of us safe and protects all of our freedoms and our liberties through the service women and men who serve in our military It's God who's promoting and keeping peace through lawyers, through policemen, through judges and politicians who make and maintain laws. It's God who provided you a good night's sleep by making people who are passionate about mattress manufacturing. It's God who quenches my thirst through the work of a brewmaster and a bartender who served me my IPA. It's God who proclaims the gospel through pastors, through worship directors, through teachers, and through men and women who are part of Christian churches. On the surface, we see just people. We just see people going about their daily lives, but behind all of these masks is God fulfilling his purpose through you as you serve others. But all the time you hear it, right? You hear people say, "Ah, I'm just this or I'm just that. It's not really a calling. Yeah, I'm just someone who who sells insurance. It's it's not really a calling. I'm just someone who works in government. It's not my calling. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a server. These aren't my callings. It's just what pays the bills. Callings aren't for people who love their job. Callings aren't just for people who are good at their nine to five. People who get excited about getting up on a Monday morning. Callings are for everybody who calls themselves a child of God. For everybody who has been called by Christ to be a prince or a princess of the king of kings and the lord of lords. How does that work? Well, it's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for. God does not look at a pastor or a teacher who has been called by a church and think that calling is more high or more noble than someone who manages an office and because of the gospel, serves the people that work under him and for him and alongside him with respect And honor and kindness. It is not a more high calling or a noble calling to be a doctor who keeps people healthy than it is to be a construction worker who keeps people safe by building roads and homes that are good and can stand up against the elements of the weather. God is not more pleased by the philanthropy of a multimillionaire who gives away hundreds and thousands of dollars to help out the world water crisis than he is by the mother who pays her own money for her son's lunch. God is not more pleased by the architect and the woodworker who builds churches and and crafts beautiful altars than he is the parent who carefully, with love and kindness, changes a stinky diaper. It's because it's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for, and who you do it for is others. Who you ultimately do it for is God, and it is God working behind you, through you, and in you to carry out his good, his holy, and his perfect will. But Listen, so often people still struggle with that question. Who am I? And if you don't believe me, just watch as you go to your office Christmas parties or you go to any gathering where people are forced to introduce themselves to one another. This happens. Say, hi, I'm Matt. The other person says, hi, I'm, I'm Ted from accounting. They say, hi, I'm Matt. And if they just say, hi, I'm Jennifer, you go, oh, and you are, oh, uh, I'm in operations. Or you say, hi, I'm Matt. I'm from Fredericksburg. Because someone asks you where you're from you know people have a way of identifying who you are and where you're from and what you do based on these titles right hi i'm ted i play soccer i'm brian i'm a painter i'm philip i'm susan's boyfriend i'm susan i'm philip's girlfriend hi i'm ned i'm a marine well, these are fine ways to identify yourself, but what if this is the only way you assess who you are? If this is the only way you identify what you're calling, what your purpose is? Well, then we have a problem. We have a problem that will ultimately lead to the same place as Onesimus, to the purpose, or the prison, excuse me, of purposelessness. Because what happens when it comes time to move? What happens when it comes time to sell the home that you have identified as your dream home? Then you're lost. What happens when that career that you have built up and built up your identity with comes to an end because of retirement or comes to an end because of pink slip? Well, then you're confused about what you're supposed to do in this life. What happens when that team, that cause, that politician that you are rooting for loses? Well, then you feel like a loser. What happens when the children that have become your all in all and the family member that you live for lets you down? Well, then you become demoralized and you become disenchanted with life. You find yourself in the prison of purposelessness, whenever anything except God's purpose for your life becomes your purpose. It's helpful to remember this. It's not who you are. It's not your title. It's not where you're from. It's not what you do. It's whose you are. And you are a prince. You are a princess of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has called you to fulfill his purpose. And you remember, when you remember whose you are, it makes all the difference when you deal with stress at work. Yet there's gonna be stress in your callings, in your purposes. Where should I go to college? What should I study for? How should I invest my time? How should I invest my money? Should I volunteer here or should I volunteer there? Should I get a new job? Should I quit this job? Am I gonna make these deadlines? Are people gonna appreciate my work? These things cause stress. But when you remember, not it's not about who you are, but it's about whose you are. It makes all the difference. It affects everything. It affects your work ethic. No longer is it just showing up a little bit late. No longer is it about taking a few hours off. No longer is it about, man, you know what? No one's going to mind if I check Facebook at work or just daydream for a couple hours because you are not just working for the man. You are not just working for numbers. You are not just working for a bottom line, but you are working for a God who has called you to this very place in life. You're working for a God and you can work hard for this God knowing that when you work hard and at your best, It's only maximizing the blessings through which he is that he is going to bring through you to those you're serving. Realizing it's not about who you are, but whose you are, changes everything. It changes your attitude, and it changes your mindset when it comes to change. So you lost your job. You now have many other callings opened up before you. You now have more time to focus your, on your purpose as a mother, as a father, as a neighbor, or a friend. So you got hurt and you can't do what you used to do. It now gives you a brand new lens through which you can look at the world and see those who are around you. So you didn't get the job, so you got dumped. You now have more opportunities to look and see different ways that you can serve as a sister, as a brother, as a husband, or a wife. Because our callings are not limited to just one place in life. They're living, li- they are open to all the different places that God has called you to. Are you still wondering what your calling is or what your purpose is? Can I give you a little life advice? Stop searching stop looking for it and just turn your head and look at who's around you. Look at the people that God has placed in your life and ask this question, how can I be God-like to them? Because that is what God has called you to do. And if you still don't know the answer to that question, ask them. Ask how I can serve you. Ask how I can help you. And there is your calling. There is your purpose that God has placed in your life. Can I share with you a little story? It's a confession. This is hard to remember. It's hard to live this way. It's just the other day that I had uh, told a friend that I I would be at a thing for them. And it was kind of a good works kind of thing that I would do. It wasn't a church thing, but I was going to volunteer my time for this friend. And I didn't get just a little sleep. I got almost no sleep the night before. I woke up couldn't find my car keys, went to my espresso maker, found that I had no espresso left to make, and it was just one of those mornings. I was upset that I had told my friend that I was gonna do this. I was a little ticked off that all of these things went wrong. I was frustrated that all the things that my real J-O-B weren't gonna get done because I said I was gonna do this. And then I showed up to this place. And there was other people there and there was people there who knew that I was a pastor and I was mad. And then a friend walked up to me who knew that I was a pastor. And for whatever reason, I'm not exactly sure why, this friend didn't just greet me by saying, hey, good morning, Matt. This friend walked up to me and he said, what's up, man of God? And immediately I snapped back to why I got out of bed that morning. I snapped back to what God has called me to do, to what my purpose is for existing in life. I remembered that it's not about what I do, it's about who I do it for. I remember it's not about who I am, it's about whose I am. And my friends, that is the same for you. You want to know what your purpose is in life? Do you feel disenchanted with your nine to five, maybe a little frustrated with your morning commute? Well, remember this. You have been called out of darkness into light to inherit the kingdom of God. You have been called by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be his own, to be his child. And that changes the way you live this life because it's not just for this life that you're living. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you are worked, because you have a high and noble calling wherever you are. So what's up, child of God? What's up, woman of God? What's up, man of God? What's your purpose? Amen.